filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's more than Acts 2.38. There's so much more after that. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Hebrews 12.14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen, amen. I want to talk to you of this side. This series is titled The Sword of Separation, The Sword of Separation. Turn to a few people, greet them, wave to them, acknowledge them as you're seated tonight. Amen. Uh, God's holiness is one of the essential and absolute attributes of God's divine nature. And it is referenced and talked about in Scripture as uh, a, a mark, uh, the standard, if you will, God's holiness is an aspect of him that he invites us, every single believer, and he invites us and commands us uh, to also pursue uh, and to partake in in uh, holiness because he is holy, therefore we uh, are to be holy. Amen. And uh, in reference to God, the word holy means to be perfect and pure and without blemish. And only God is holy in himself. Uh, we, that is something we strive for. And uh, this side of the grave, uh, we will never attain the holiness uh, uh, of God, the level that he is, obviously, because we are uh, broken and fallen and we are messed up, but that does not give us excuse to uh, not pursue it, pursue this holiness of God, um, because he tells us to. Uh, he sets his holiness, sets, sets a standard for all other holiness. He is the highest uh, of, of highs and the purest of pures. And so there is no one like our God, um, and he, he will always remain higher than the highest holiness of, that we can ever attain, or even the holiness of angels, as holy as they are, amen, God is even holier than them, amen. And so uh, the holiness of God uh, also uh, in itself puts him at odds and opposition uh, and the condemnation of all sin because he is pure and in him is no sin or nothing uh, unrighteous or anything like that. And so his holiness becomes a standard of judgment against all sin and those that fall short of the glory of God. And so... It also uh, awakens us and it, and it deepens man's consciousness 
to our own status, our own uh, standing before the Lord and, and His uh, view of, of righteousness and holiness. Therefore, it should uh, awaken us to our, uh, our incompleteness, our frailty, and our, uh, how much we have fallen short of His glory. Uh, and so therefore gives us, provides us a direction or a roadmap or a target uh, that we have to reach for and to pursue after and to uh, strive to live uh, a holy life and to be holy as God is holy. Amen. And so the Hebrew word for sanctified uh, means to make holy or to declare holy. And so holiness then implies that something is special about whatever is holy. Um, The idea should help us uh, uh, understand uh, the holiness of God and how he is set apart from anything and everything else in creation is his holiness uh, makes him far above and far beyond anything that we can really grasp. And so uh, to be holy is to be uh, something different, something apart, something other than anything else. As God is unlike anything else, he is holy and set apart from everything else. And so for us to strive to be holy is to strive to be different. Strive to be set apart. Strive to be not like everything else around us. Because Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? So who is like you, Lord? First um, Samuel 2 and 2 says, There is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Isaiah 40, 25. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. Uh, Psalms 99 and 9. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Uh, and so there he is so far apart and so pure in, in, in his holiness and his being uh, that there is no one like him or uh, 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 next to him or near him. Uh, and so this concept of holiness should help us better understand the gap that is between God who is holy and a race of beings who are not. Uh, a, a race, in fact, of sinners, a, 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 a creation that became uh, incorruptible uh, or corruptible, uh, full of, uh, of sin. God is separate from us, and not only because he is the creator and we are the created, but because we have fallen from a place where we used to be. And that was in fellowship with this holy being this holy God. And so uh, understanding just uh, doing a dive on God's holiness uh, should also uh, help us better understand what Jesus did for us, what God did for us to help us bridge this gap that never 
that no way can ever be bridged unless God built the bridge himself. Because of how holy he is and how fallen man is, there's nothing that can bridge that gap only unless God himself did that. And he did that through uh, Jesus as he came to be the sacrifice to build that bridge so that man can once again uh, have this connection with this holy God. Otherwise, uh, there is this separation uh, between uh, light and darkness. What fellowship hath light with darkness? Amen. And so uh, there is nothing there uh, except the saving work of Jesus Christ who brought us to uh, this place that we are now. And even though we are here at this, at this level, this connection, this uh, restoration of a relationship that we have with God, it does no by uh, mean uh, that this is the fit near the finish line uh, because there is still a work to be done in each and every single one of us. And even then we are, as we look back and see how far God has brought us and how much more holy that we are now than we used to be, amen, that is not, uh, our, our, lively, our, our life is not the standard of holiness. And so we should feel good about how far we've gone, but uh, we don't need to be looking at ourselves and judging ourselves with each other or with ourselves in the progress that we have because Jesus God is the standard, and so looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith, looking at his holiness, uh, that is where we are striving to go and looking to go and fighting to get towards, um, and, and, and knowing how far we've come, we still have a ways to go. doesn't matter how long we've been in this, we could be in this the majority of our life, but yet still uh, looking at the holiness of God. Amen, we still have a ways to go. Amen, and so uh, we know that man appears in scriptures as a fallen being, uh, by nature unholy and sinful, uh, that changed in the fall. Uh, We are created in God's image, and he has lost, we have lost one of the most essential features of that image, and that is holiness. We lost that in the fall along with many other things. Uh, but that holiness that uh, Adam had, that pureness, that, uh, that righteousness that he had enabled him to walk with God in the garden. Uh, and so the fall, the sin that came in broke that, uh, removed the separation. We're now, we're now filthy creatures uh, uh, humans are now fallen and, and broken and, and full of sin and, and shapen in iniquity. And so we, we, we don't have this holiness and righteousness apart uh, among of many other things of God, God's uh, characteristics that we are uh, now striving for and should be striving for. And so what do we mean when we say a thing is holy? If you look at your Bible, it says holy Bible. So what makes it holy? Uh, the land of Israel is called the Holy Land, and the city of Jerusalem is called the Holy City. Why? Why do we? Why is it called that? Uh, because there is a, a quality about all of them is that uh, they belong to God. The Holy Bible—that's His Word. 
uh, the Holy Land, that's, that's the land of uh, the God placed his name. The city of Jerusalem, the holy city, that's where he placed his name in that city. And his, his people are the nation of Israel. And so those things that are, are connected with God and identified with God and named by God, uh, now all of a sudden they, they are separated and they, uh, they become holy, not just in name but in purpose and in meaning as well. Um, and so we know that uh, they are, uh, they belong to God. And so born-again Christians, uh, it specifically means for us to be holy and to pursue holiness means uh, a separation from sin and the world and to be dedicated unto God. Because since we have received the Holy, Holy Ghost, we are given power over sin power over disease, power over the devil, power over the world to overcome the world as Jesus did. Uh, and so he gives us this, this weapon, this tool, this, this aid uh, to be able to pursue holiness and to live a, a holy life and to uh, be a holy people uh, because he, uh, he told us and commands us to be holy and so it has, there has to be a possibility for us to do that. Otherwise, it's unfair. God, it would be unjust to tell us to be holy if there's no way we could. Uh, that's an unfair, um, uh, unfair ask uh, of God. And so God is just. And so if he says be holy, there, we, there is a way we can be holy. It's just a matter of uh, do we want to go down that road or not. And so when the word holy is applied to a person or object, it has two parts, two meanings. One is that it is now separated. It is pulled out. It is separated from everything around it. Uh, being holy means that, that, being separated. But also the second part of that is to be uh, separated and set apart for a purpose. Because you can separate something and you can just leave it there without purpose and it just sits there, not doing anything. Uh, and so we are separated from this world, but not just to sit there and not do anything, but we are separated unto God. And so there's a, a twofold purpose in uh, holiness is that coming out from the world, but also not just to, to, to brag about how we are not a part of this world, but uh, the, the second part of it is, is we have a purpose, we have a calling, we have a direction, we have a, a target to go after, and we are uh, set apart for God and for His purpose. Whatever that is for our life, we have a meaning and a, and a, a purpose in our life. And so He doesn't just separate things or people to sit there and collect dust. No, when God separates something, it, it, it comes with a call. It comes with an anointing. It comes with a purpose, and that is to bring him glory, to bring him praise and glory and honor because we get to see the, the magnificent work of God, the salvation of God, and the mercy of God, and the love of God. All of this come uh, to fruition when God is separating someone from the world. We see something beautiful happening there. And that gives God glory because we know that we cannot do that on our own. 
And so we see on the very first page of the Word of God, God doing a bunch of separating. The story of creation is that of separation. God, uh, uh, the whole first chapter shows us God separating this from that. And with each event, with each thing, it was given a purpose. The heaven and earth were separated. The light and darkness was separated. Uh, heavens were separated from the heavens and land from the sea and plants and from the animals. And then with mankind, there comes even more of a separation from the rest of creation. Because this unique creature now uh, is getting even more attention from God than anything else has yet to receive. Uh, this thing must really have a purpose. If God is doing this much more, so much more with this thing than everything else, and by his very actions, this thing is separated. Mankind, humanity, is separated from the rest of creation simply by his actions. And so we were made uh, in his image, made in his likeness. And so God was, uh, is and was pure and perfect. And so this man that he made, he made him pure and perfect. God was holy and righteous, and, and this man that he made, this creation, creature, was uh, holy and righteous. And, and God has dominion and authority, and this man was given dominion and authority. And so mankind was made and called out from among the world to be separate from everything else that God had made. But Adam gave all of that up. When he let go of that separation and he, 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 he uh, crossed that line, he crossed the word of God and uh, the, the separation, he, he wanted to be uh, like uh, God in an un, unrighteous way, an ungodly manner because God uh, uh, never intended him to, to be like that, but yet he believe the, the, the temptation, the lie from the serpent, the devil. Uh, and so out of his own desire, now all of a sudden pride fills his heart and he wants, Adam wants to be like the Most High. Uh, the same uh, snare that Satan fell for, he's now passing it on and getting somebody else involved. Uh, and so if, if we are not confident in who God made us to be, will strive to be like somebody else, an, un, an ungodly and an unholy uh, pursuit to be like somebody else or something else that God never called us to be like. And we thus will completely miss out on the plan and purpose that God has for us because we are striving for something that God has not called us to do. Be like somebody else or be like this or like that. And uh, we can't do what God has for us if we are trying to be like and identify with someone other than God. We get distracted and we'll get off course. And uh, the devil then becomes the only one that is happy because we are not happy. Uh, because, uh, and, and we'll never become happy or satisfied. We'll always feel that we come up short. It's because 
we're, we're looking after the wrong thing. We're pursuing after the wrong target, uh, trying to be that, to, to be somebody that God has not called us to be. We'll never amount. We'll never reach that position or that, that place to be, be like them because God has never called us to be like them. God has called us to be like him. And so it's a, it's a vain pursuit to try to be like somebody else. You'll never, we'll never be satisfied. But if we try, if we pursue after holiness and after God, uh, we, God, God rewards us and we feel accomplished. We feel the growth. We feel the, the, the strength and the connection along the ways because we're on the right path and we're following the right pursuit. And that is uh, to pursue after holiness. And so there is comfort in our calling. And that's the only thing that can really bring peace to our soul is accepting, uh, accepting the fact that this is how God made me, and I, uh, with with who God has made me, I want to be more like Him and ha- let Him make me even better. But we can't get that satisfaction by trying to be like somebody else, or, or, uh, or, or identifying on other ways, uh, because we'll never get there. After Adam and Eve sinned, their their godliness and holiness was. Uh, removed by their corruption, and they became impure and, and fallen, broken, separated. And that is why the call goes out to separate yourself from this world and to be holy. Uh, it's because that's the first step to getting reconnected with God, is we got to turn from this world, this this, this world of darkness and sin and, and, and depravity and, and nothing good in this world. And so we have to uh, make the decision to, I'm going to come out from this world, come out from this lifestyle, this way of living and this uh, life, uh, life that I've been uh, uh, pursuing after my own pleasures and my own desires. I have to leave that behind and start pursuing after God if I want to uh, find uh, Him and find a purpose in my life. God's call is to restore us to that place with him where he can come down and walk and talk and commune with his most special creation. But even after the fall, we still see in Scripture the call to separate. Just follow the lineage of Seth, we can see a heritage or a line of people who were unlike the rest of the people of the world. They, they lived separate lives. They called on the name of the Lord. They, they were seeking after His Spirit and His Word and His way um, uh, for, for generations and generations. One man that stands out was the name uh, of Enoch. Enoch was one of these uh, different people in the world, uh, living a separate life. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. So it, it, it would seem that he pursued after holiness and he pursued after righteousness, That uh, so much so that God said, you are becoming more and more like me and you are so close to me that you might as well uh, not be in this corrupt world any longer, so boom, you can come and be with me since you are have separated yourself so much that you are 
more like me and you belong in heaven more than you belong in the earth. What a, what a compliment, right? That we're, we become so godly and so righteous in all that we do that God says, hey, there's, you know, you've, you've passed that line where, hey, might as well just be here with me. Uh, and so we are, we are told to follow after God and search, uh, pursue after God and holiness, Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And so and this tells us that it is absolutely essential to make it uh, into heaven, to see the Lord, uh, is uh, follow peace and holiness. We've got to pursue peace. We've got to pursue holiness if we want to make it to heaven because you can't go to God's holy heaven unless you live a holy life. Uh, and so notice in the next verse, verse 15, it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. And so if we make no attempt to follow a holy lifestyle and, and, and follow holiness, we can lose out of, on the grace of God in our life. Because uh, we can fail the grace of God if we're not pursuing that. If we're without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so, uh, lest any man should fail the grace of God, unless we're looking diligently and living, uh, living in that way, uh, we can we can fail and miss out on the grace of God. And so, holiness and the pursuit of it is a must, and it is a a critical component of our walk with God. 1 Peter 1 and 15 says, But as he that which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Uh, and so there, again, the command is reiterated uh, to be holy. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We, we, you know, we, we, we quote that, we reference that part, uh, but it also continues on to talk about holiness. Verse 17 says, if any man defile the temple of God, the temple of God was just identified, and that is us. Our body is the temple of God. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And so... Uh, that, that to me seems like Paul is really laying out that holiness really is a, a prerequisite to get into heaven. Uh, so living a holy life is, uh, is a heaven or hell issue because if we don't keep the temple holy, uh, God will destroy that, 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 them that don't. And, and so uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. And so it is expected of us to pursue holiness because he's called us to that. And so we are commanded to live holy in a way that affects every part, all manner of our conversation, of our lifestyle. Uh, it should have an effect on every part of us. Pursuing holiness. And so God is not going to ask us to do something that we are not able to do. That would be unfair. And so 
the call goes out, be ye holy for I am holy. And so it really comes down to if we want to be holy. And so uh, he has called us out of this world to uh, live a life that is pleasing unto him. And so Titus 2 and 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so there's a purpose behind why we are here, uh, and that is to uh, give him uh, glory. Uh, We are here for him. We are not here for ourselves. We're not here for our own desires and our own kingdom. We are here for the kingdom of God and to live a life that is pleasing uh, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. First uh, Peter 2 and 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so uh, we show forth praises uh, by our lifestyle and pursuing holiness uh, for God. And, and in doing this, um, it, is a, it is a battle. It is a fight. It is a struggle. Um, not just to get into the baptismal tank and accept the Jesus' name and accept the gospel and believe and obey the gospel as much as a struggle that seems to be for people and a stumbling block for people Uh, that is the easiest part of it all. It's after you get out of the tank, it's after you've been baptized, and after you receive the Holy Ghost, that's when everything really begins. So many people stumble to even get that far. Uh, If if it's that hard for you to get uh, baptized and to receive the Holy Ghost, and then uh, it's it's really going to be a tough walk. Uh, because that just begins everything is obeying Acts 2.38. 1 Peter, uh, or sorry, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession uh, before many witnesses. And so fight the good fight of faith, we are told and commanded to do, does not mean merely just to learn, memorize, and obey Acts 2.38. Many people live at ease because once they've checked Acts 2.38 off, thinking, well, the fight's over. I've done, right? That's, that's what God, that's what the Bible tells me to do, to obey Acts 2.38, and, and the fight is over, right? I mean... I've, I've accepted the doctrine, uh, the oneness of God, the, the oneness of Jesus and, and the name of Jesus and uh, the baptism in his name and filling the Holy Ghost and uh, accepting and believing that uh, it, we receive the Holy Ghost evidence in tongues. And uh, once you've uh, done that, right, I mean, what more do we contend for? What more do we have to fight, right? Because that's really the, the crutch of it all, right? But it's... It's much more than that. I mean, to, to, to live by faith and to fight the good fight of faith, what is, what is that faith? What is he talking about? Well, that's, that's everything. 
Acts 2.38, yeah, that's a part of, of our faith, but that's not the only, the only part of it. The only pillar in our doctrine is not just Acts 2.38. There's so much more than that. And so fighting the good fight of faith goes way beyond Acts 2.38. We have to fight to get there and, and re receive that word and that truth. But fighting the good fight of faith goes beyond uh, that. It includes everything not just the gospel, but all of our doctrine, all of our way of righteous living, our standards, our holiness, everything is up for grabs if we don't fight for it. In fact, uh, fighting for Acts 2.38 is, is just the easiest part of the battle. After that, the real battles really begin because you got to fight to maintain that, fight to keep that. And it's not like... And, and we get, uh, it can be so uh, misconstrued that, oh, you know, uh, how, how am I going to, do I really need to debate somebody about Jesus' name baptism? I mean, there's, how much of a, of a fight really is there for Jesus' name baptism? And, and, and yeah, obviously we, that's easily won when you understand the scriptures, but uh, how, many, how many saints are, out there fighting the faith of Acts 2.38. I mean, uh, you know, we should be all out there sharing the truth and, and doing that. But, but really, there is more of a, of a struggle, more of a fight than that. Uh, and there's a greater fight, and that is the fight to stay separated from this world to fight off all the connections and the distractions and, and all of these things, uh, uh, the filthiness of this world and of our flesh and spirit and all these things, that's really where the fight is, uh, is daily living for God to give Him glory in a pleasing way. And so um, Paul, in all his writings, he talks about uh, this fight, First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven. But I keep under my body, bring it un into subjection. That doesn't sound like he's living an easy life. He's been bad. He's done Acts two thirty eight. But now he's keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That's that sounds like a fight. Romans seven twenty three. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. That doesn't sound like all, all is well in his life. Galatians 5.24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That doesn't sound pleasant. Colossians 3 and 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. That doesn't sound easy. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Doesn't sound like an easy thing. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now we're bringing somebody else in this thing. It's resisting the devil. 2 Timothy 2, there thou, though therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The little that I know about soldiers is that they're not living an easy-peasy life. 
Ephesians 6, 12, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Uh, that doesn't sound like peace. That sounds like you have to put on armor and fight. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 1.18, this I charge, I commit unto thee, the, uh, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. But I, I thought it was all downhill after Acts 2.38. All of this language, it sounds like there's constant fighting. Constant warfare, that we might war a good warfare, fight a good fight. And, uh, uh, and so where is all the peace that we don't have to do any of this? We've already done Acts 2.38. There's no more fighting that should happen. But yet, almost in every one of Paul's letters, he's talking about there's a war and fighting and contending and uh, a war a good warfare uh, maybe this is the source of it all. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus has said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Where is the peace in that? Jesus said, I mean, I mean coming to bring peace. I came to drop a sword in the middle of it all. And a sword is not... Uh, a peaceful instrument, a, a sword obviously is a, is a, um, a weapon of war. Uh, and so if Jesus is dropping swords, uh, he's obviously trying to teach people that this, uh, if you're going to follow me, um, it's not pick up your teddy bear and, and just cuddle, cuddle it until I come back. No, it's pick up your sword and fight the good fight of faith. War a good warfare because there is a battle, there is a war that is waging. And it sounds to me that to be a Christian, a born-again believer, is not a life of ease and comfort, but is a life of struggle, of constant fighting, constant warfare, because there is always a battle to be fought. And that battle is the fight for holiness and to maintain separation from the world because how many battles are really fought about Acts 2.38? But how many battles are fought against your flesh? Against the desires of the flesh? Against the, the things of this world and, 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 and ungodliness and, and unrighteousness? How many battles are fought with those as opposed to just our little snippets of our doctrine that we believe? I contend to you today that uh, there is more uh, battles going on about holiness than there is about anything else. And just to, just to not even really even dive into holiness means you're missing out on the, the most of the battles. And so I believe that the greatest fight in 2022 is the battle for separation and holiness. And it's 
a battle that the church fights as a whole, but it also, more importantly, it is a battle that each and every one of us must fight on, a, on our own. Because we have to work at our own salvation, therefore we have to work at our own holiness if we want to see God. I, I, can't, I can't do holiness for you. You can't do holiness for me. Uh, we, we can teach each other Bible studies about doctrine and, and understand uh, obeying the gospel and we working together there. But holiness, is, is that's really individual. Uh, and so if, if we're not willing to fight the battle for holiness and separation, uh, we're missing out on most of the fight. And so what does that say? Uh, musicians, if you would come, to fight in a battle takes strength and energy. And we all have only so much energy. And what the enemy would love to do is for us to use our strength to fight and bicker with one another. Because when that happens, our energy is used up, it's burned up on something that causes division and strife in the body. And so rather than use our energy and our strength and our, and our, and our mind for a righteous purpose and to fight against the world, to fight against the flesh, to fight against the devil... Uh, those are the real enemies of an apostolic, not each other. And so if, we're gonna, if we fight against one another, that means we're probably not fighting against holiness, separation. We're not fighting against the world and the devil. Uh, and so with a corrupt heart and a busy devil and an ensnaring world, we must either fight the right battles or we are going to lose. Even after being born again, we are still prone to unrighteousness and ungodliness. And we still have this flesh, this unregenerated flesh that does not want to live for God. And we still have a heart that can be corrupted. And so uh, there to me seems like where the real battle is. Is with our flesh and our carnal desires and our living in this world but fighting to maintain our separation, or do we even fight for that? Romans 12, 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Again, that doesn't sound like a pleasant thing. But yet, that's what we are called to do, present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which are the readable service. Be not conformed to this world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That seems like there's a battle there. Uh, conformity to the world, but yet uh, uh, fighting between separating unto God. And so uh, holiness includes a sacrifice of our desires and our wills. But we must present ourselves in a manner that is acceptable to holiness uh, unto God, which includes a sacrifice of our will and our desire and what we might think is the right way to do things. We must present ourselves in a manner that is acceptable unto God. And so a lifestyle of holiness is a foundation stone of the apostolic church and of the apostolic life and believer uh, is uh, to pursue holiness and to be holy because God is holy. And if, if we have, if we are the only people, uh, so-called Christians that have, that we're the only ones that really have the Holy Spirit of God, 
that should, that automatically separates us from the rest of mainstream Christianity. Uh, and so with that separation calls a calling and, and calls a direction and an anointing to pursue after God. Uh, uh, we would be the only ones who really know how to pursue holiness. Because without the Spirit of God, you're, how are you going to know which way to go? And so how much more should we not only be separate from the world, but also separate from every other Christian? Unless they're born again and have a Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and they're pursuing righteousness, uh, we, should be se- we should be separated from every other quote-unquote Christian out there. And that's just, that's what the Holy Ghost would do and will do in us if we allow it to do it in us. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Therefore, uh, the battle wages on. And so, holiness is taught by the Bible. Um, It does not try to give specific answers to the countless situations that we may face as an individual. Um, it teaches principles. If, if it doesn't speak to it specifically, it, it, it's going to address it in a principle uh, because the, I believe the Bible has the answer for every problem, every situation that we can ever encounter in our life. It may not be spelled out specifically, but it teaches us how to live in this world and how to deal with these things. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk about TV, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, and so, but I believe it does talk about TV and, and how to live and how to uh, live in a world where there's TV and, and, and Internet and all these things. We can uh, extract principles from the Word of God, apply them to our life uh, so that we know how to uh, live in this world to give God glory. Why? Because we are called and we are separated for His purpose. Holiness cannot be legislated. I can... Uh, be up here, talk about holiness till I'm blue in the, fla- in the face. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because again, it, it's an individual. goes back on the individual. I can preach standards and uh, I plan to preach standards and teach standards. But again, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything, does it? Because it all falls back on the individual, on their heart. And if how open they are willing to receive uh, the teaching. Uh, and so if holiness is not in the heart, it's not going to, somebody's not going to obey. If it's not in your heart, it doesn't matter how, how many sermons or lessons I teach about it. If it's not in your heart or you don't want it in your heart, it, you're never going to uh, hear it and follow it. And, and so... Uh, many Christians today want to uh, live their own life, wear what they want to wear. Uh, they don't want, they want to be a little bit separate from the world, but not too separate. Still want to blend in a little bit. And, and so, uh, but that lose that is losing the, the most uh, important battle of uh, a believer is maintaining that line of separation because with that line comes everything. Once you give up holy, the pursuit of holiness and the uh, seeking separation from the world, once you don't care about that anymore, you begin you'll you'll lose everything. I, I know so I know many people who have uh, uh, once professed 
uh, holiness and, and living an apostolic life, but uh, they couldn't really, really get or get behind the belief of, of holiness. And so you kind of, let's not worry about that fight too much. And what happens pretty soon now, they're preaching false doctrine. The line of holiness and separation is that first line and the most important line. How we feel about that line determines and says a lot about us and potentially our future. Because it, if we're willing to accept it and submit to it and, and live it uh, and pursue holiness uh, or not. Uh, and so the line of separation, the sword of separation is, I think, the most important battle that we face as a believer. And it's a battle we face every single day. Man, if you stand with me tonight, attitudes uh, attitudes are the most important elements of holiness. Because if a person has the proper attitude towards God and his fellow man, his holiness, their holiness will be manifested in all areas of their life. They do not have the right attitude. No amount of outward holiness will compensate for the lack of inward holiness. You can dress the right part. doesn't mean you're, you have a holy spirit, holy attitude about you. But somebody new in the faith who hasn't even begun to open the doors about holiness and righteous living, but they have a, a, a pure joy and genuine uh, love for God in their heart, can be more holy than somebody who's wearing all the right things, dressed in the right part. It comes down to attitude in the heart. Wrong attitudes are the first signs of backsliding and are inevitable components of hypocrisy. Because a bad attitude will reject whatever is being said. And so uh, attitude is one of the most single, most important aspects of holiness. A person with a humble, teachable spirit, teachable attitude, and a genuine desire to live for God can always be led into further holiness and even more holiness and even closer to God and even more truth. If, if, if God is so pure and holy and we are called to be like him and to draw closer to him, that would mean, by default, the closer we get to Jesus, the more things we're letting go. The less we're putting on. Because the closer we get to Him, the more we see in us flaws and ungodliness and unrighteousness and filthiness. There's, you can't get closer to God when you're putting on more things and covering yourself up. You, 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 by default, you can't get there because a genuine pursuit after God means the closer you get to Him, the more we remove and the more we realize how unworthy we are. So how, how could I even think about approaching God with all this stuff? Attitudes are most important thing about it 
whether we will receive it or not. Inward holiness will lead to outward holiness. But the reverse is not true. Outward holiness will not necessarily lead to inward holiness. It has to be inside. And it's so funny, the argument about all these charismatic people, churches, about, oh, holiness is a hard issue, and we don't have to worry about what we dress, and it's all about the inwardness. Well, uh, it is true, but if you're really so pure and holy on the inside, it's going to affect how you look and how you act and how you talk and all these. It will affect the outward part. But just to use that as an excuse, uh, we're not preaching standards because it's all about the heart. Well, it is about the heart, but it will lead. A true a true walk and a true desire to get closer to God will lead to you changing how you do things and what you put on and what you take off. And so we need to check our hearts for, for the right attitude, for pride, murmuring, sowing discord to one another, bitterness, wrath, other, other evil attitudes that will destroy our hunger for holiness and our pursuit after God. Psalms 101 and 5 says, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. And so God is not interested in, in us and him being made in our image. He wants us to be made in his image. As the children of Israel were passing through on their way to the promised land, they had to pass through the, the land of Moab. And the king of Moab did not like them. Obviously, the people of the world will not like the people of God because you're separate. You're, there's something different about you, which is a compliment. The world doesn't like us. It's a compliment, right? It means we're doing something right. If the world did not like Jesus, why do we think they're going to like us? We're trying to be like him. They hated him. Connect the dots, they're going to hate us. We have to be ready for that. Why do they hate me? Why do they hate Jesus? We're trying to be like him. So Balak, the king of Moab, did not want Israel to pass through their lands. And so what did he do? He went to uh, this prophet I call him that, uh, named Balaam, who had a connection with God, who heard from God. And so he hires this guy, this prophet for hire, and says, I, would, I need you to curse Israel. Curse them because I don't want them. I don't want them to be destroyed. And, and so Balaam goes and builds an altars and he prays and hears from God. And uh, every time Balaam went to open his mouth, he could not curse Israel, but he just spoke blessings on them. Because the people of God cannot be cursed by the evil of this world. We're, we're blessed. God has placed a blessing and a calling and anointing over us. So uh, we, the world cannot curse us and it, it wipe away our blessing because God's hand is upon his people. So every time Balaam tried to speak a curse, and nothing but blessing came out. And so uh, Balak was getting really mad because I'm paying you money and you're not doing what I told you to do. Uh, and so Balaam confessed. He says, I can't curse them because they are blessed by God. But I will tell you how you can defeat Israel. You can't, you can't defeat them on your own. But what you can do 
is get them to compromise, get them to erase that line of separation, the holiness, their standards that God set for them that they, they should live by. If you can get them to cross over that line and not fight the fight of holiness anymore, not worry about the separation and go in and let them do whatever they want to do and, 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 and be like the world and accept the world in their life and embrace worldliness in their life. If you do that, God will curse them and they will be destroyed from within. And so there again, Israel was destroyed because they did not fight for holiness. They did not fight for separation. They allowed worldliness in their camp. And they suffered because of that. And so the fight for holiness is our greatest fight. The, great, the fight for separation is our greatest battle in these last days. Uh, more and more people are accepting and receiving the name of Jesus. There, it, didn't used, it didn't used to be like that. 40, 50 years ago, uh, we would be all by ourselves talking about Jesus' name, baptism. But now everyone's baptized in Jesus' name. That fight is, that fight is long gone. We don't have to fight for that really as much. But the fight for holiness is still here. And how are we contending in 2022? How is our life? Is our life, are we pursuing more holiness? Are we becoming more holy than we were last year? The year before? The year before that? Or are we kind of picking up more things? Do we have more worldliness in our life than we did last year? If that's the case, we're kind of moving in the wrong direction, right? Because every year, if we're getting closer to God, we should be letting more and more things go. I, I don't do that anymore. I did it last year, but this year I, 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 I connected with God, and he, he convicted me of those things, and I'm letting, I let those things go. That is seems to me like you're going in the right direction. But if we look and examine our lives today, compare them to last year or two years ago or whenever, and compare uh, how we are with the world, our separation and our, uh, the worldliness, how much of that or how little do we have. That's, that's a good way to, to, to examine ourselves. Are we moving in the right direction? Are we fighting at all? Are we just trying to live at ease until Jesus comes? Well, Paul never talked about a life of living at ease. He talked about a life of fighting always fighting and that is the fight of separation and holiness from this world and this world is getting darker and darker and just by default if we if we are not reaching closer and closer to God we're probably being dragged down so the more this the darker this world gets the, the greater the power of the pull of this world is going to have on on this on the people of this world. And so therefore, that means the greater the fight that we have to fight. 
to stay separated from this world. And I, I know Jesus is coming soon, and he's coming for a church that is without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. He's coming for a holy church and a holy people, and that's what we need to fight for uh, and, and reach for more than ever before in these last days in 2022. And God willing, 2023, we should be striving for separation and holiness more than ever before because that is the one battle that keeps us from this world. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Let's worship the Lord tonight as we close out. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be like you, Jesus. To separate ourselves more from this world. You are holy, Lord. To be less like this world. You are holy,
Amen. God bless you all. dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and pick up that sword of separation and be who God has called us to be. Be a holy people.